Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Prez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my also snowed and weathered-in companion, Matt Rossi, with me today. How are you doing today, Matt? Pumpkin Ghost! That will be used for later things, I am confident. Pumpkin uh, Ghost. <laughs> at the time of this recording, uh, we are currently going through a spot of weather and you probably likely are as well as it seems to be going from coast to coast, at least here in the States. So if you are, hopefully this gives you a little bit of entertainment while you're snowed in. Today, we're going to be answering questions from you, our wonderful listeners. If you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify what show it is for and any special pronunciation of your name inside of that email, please. If you want to hit us up on Discord, we have a channel for everyone. It's the Q&A Podcast Questions channel. Same rules apply. Specify the show and any special pronunciations of your name. If you are a Patreon supporter, we have a special benefit for you. You can go ahead and send us our questions or themes or whatever you want in our Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel. Uh, just specify again which show so that Matt and I don't have to thumb wrestle over it. His hands are bigger than mine. It's not fair at all in the slightest. They've been called freakish by some. <laughs> well, our first question here. Hello, longtime listener of your podcast and love all the wild lore you guys cover, especially your tangential rants. Thank you for validating our tangential rants. My question is, are there any importance to the fact that Bastion is full of Greco-Roman references? From Elysian Hold, Elysian Fields, to Achillon, Achilles, Her- uh, Heracles, and Apollon, Apollo. The references are everywhere. All other earthly mythology in Azeroth is related to the Titans, including Egyptian, Norse, Chinese, Japanese. Could the fact that Bastion is so inspired mean that the Titans are somewhat involved? Now I will don my tinfoil hat and chase this stuff down the rabbit hole. I'm going to give this some highlight because, you know, you, you sent it in. Considering Denathrius famous stated, famously stated, I am a Revendreth, are all Shadowlands leaders so tied to their realms that they are integral in shaping them? If Bastion is Titan-inspired and Carestria shaped it, does that make Carestria a Titan, perhaps a Titan soul in a constructed body we now know the Pantheon of Death members are made of? Is she the Titan of Death originally from the Pantheon of Order? What if all the leaders were an aspect of death from their respective pantheons, order, chaos, life, death? If so, is that why the Winter Queen and Alun are sisters? Are they both from the pantheon of life? Thank you so much for the content you have given over our long drives to work. I'd like to hear you guys finish your series on artifact weapons. You know, I thought we did, but I went back and looked after this one. Uh, this is from Balas, Dwarf Warrior, by the way. Uh, I didn't realize we did not finish that. We'll have to do that at some point. Uh, so I apologize, and thanks for pointing that out. So we've talked about this a lot. Matt, I know you have lots of thoughts of how the Pantheon and the Titans sort of meld or don't meld together. So would you like to start? How do you know that? Who have you been talking to? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> give me a sec here. Brain, brain is braining. I, I, I think that the idea that Carestria is a Titan soul, I don't think that's the case based on what happened with uh, Argus when Argus ended up entering into the Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. The Shadowlands freaked out. Like the Arbiter could not deal with it. That's why the Arbiter went into into shutdown because something that wasn't ever supposed to be there was there. I think that's part of the way that the first one's designed a place that you know Titan souls, for lack of a better word, don't go to the Shadowlands in much the same ways. You don't want your well, you don't want your accounting software to suddenly be attempting to figure out how your furnace should be running. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not designed for this. This is not its role. Um, I don't like to use computer or software metaphors too much because for one thing, I'm not an expert. Uh, but I think in this case, when looking at how the first ones designed everything, I don't think it's a case of, well, this is like what the Titans do. Therefore it's the Titans. I think it's a case of fractal similarity. Um, every part of the first one's creation has access points to the other parts of the first one's creation, like cell receptors. Um, if you know anything about, for example, brain chemistry, uh, the brain, there are chemicals that we can take that do various things because they plug into receptors in our brains that are meant for specific chemicals that we use every day in our body. Uh, one example is any kind of analgesic drug. If you are taking an analgesic drug, um, very often what it does is bind in to either it binds into the chemical receptor in your brain that's telling you, oh, by the way, pain signal, uh, or it binds to the actual chemicals that send the pain sim- signal and thus no longer takes, keeps them from now coming in and, and binding to the brain chemicals. This is extraordinarily simplistic. And uh, if you're a biology or biochemist and you're like going, oh my God, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get the point across that I think that every part of the, the first one's creation, for lack of a better word, I think it's all tied together. And if you see a place that's got a bunch of Greek mythology names, keep in mind, we don't know anything about the first one aside from they existed and they apparently built all this and here's their sepulcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't seen, we haven't been to any of the other Zareths, so we don't know what they have in those places instead. Like, do they have like, you know, the life fountain of the first ones or, you know, the, the big hot place of the first ones. We don't know. We have, we have no idea what the other realms have for structures, but in terms of how the Shadowlands work, since the Shadowlands are receptive, if the Shadowlands are effectively receptacles, their purpose is to have anima distributed to them. And each of them has a role in how the anima distribution works. The, the, uh, Kyrestria, the, 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 I want to say, I can't remember her actual name. I just want to call her the, what is she called? Kyrestria the what? I actually don't remember her title. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kyrestria, her purpose appears the first to be born. the firstborn. Thank you. Uh, Kyrestria, the firstborn, the fact that her name is the firstborn, I mean, implies that she's the first of the, the beings that we call the pantheon of death, the, uh, the eternal ones. And it's quite possible that, that that she's the first one because you need her first. If you look at what uh, what her realm does, if you look at what she and her realm do, she's the one that basically controls and directs the, the Kyrian to go out there and collect souls and, and bring them to the Arbiter, who then decides where of these other realms they, they go. Like, do they go to Revendreth to be purged? Do they go to Ardenweald to be part of the machinery of resurrection, possibly even to be resurrected? Do they go to, you know, Bastion to become part of the Kyrian? Like, do they, you know, the the Kyrian, who are the ones that, you know, got them in the first place, then take them back to Bastion and boom, you know, you're one of us now. Uh, It's all dependent, you know, do they go to uh, the horrible squeaky place to become... Maldr- you know the Maldraxxus. You go to Maldraxxus to become part of the heroic defense of the Shadowlands. Effectively, the Shadowlands' nervous system—not nervous system, uh, immune system. You know what what they do is important 
for the maintenance and sustenance of the Shadowlands. And therefore, what Bastion does is like the first line of it. Mm-hmm. That means that Karestria's role is similar to the Titan's role in, in our reality. What Karestria does for the Shadowlands is maintain order, specifically the working order of everything else. Like without Bastion and Kyrestria's role, everything else would shut down because she's the one who brings, she, she distributes the souls. She brings them to the arbiter for art, for judgment. And then she distributes them. She's gathers them. It, it's all part of that, that anima recycling process. It all ultimately leads like each of the realms has a, has a role in all this. Like for instance, Revendreth is the one that purifies two strong emotions that keep you from, basically moving on from accepting that you are dead and thus holding on to your anima, even generating anima. You've, we've seen that there's basically there's beings in the Shadowlands that are like anima for foundries. They just make it. And it seems tied to their extremely strong emotion and their extreme unwillingness to relinquish it. They don't, they won't let go. And if they don't let go, Reverend Dress will just torment them forever, but it'll also make anima forever. We, we've seen that with the way that uh, you just said his name, Denathrius. The way Denathrius views these people. We've seen that he basically has ones he calls old faithfuls or old reliables. And just he doesn't want to purify them. He wants to keep them. He wants to keep them just forever like that so we can keep you know harvesting anima from them indefinitely. And what does that say when you find out, you think about the fact that if Garage Hellstream could literally still be plugged in in there, if he hadn't, hadn't gotten free and, you know, had his noble death, his noble soul death, which is like, what does that mean? Um, but he could have still been just left plugged in for like however long and he wouldn't have changed. He wouldn't have let go. He would have just kept hating and that hating would have just kept generating anima. So anima is very much tied to emotion in a way we don't really understand. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Without Kyrestria to get everybody to where they need to go, all that anima would just sort of pile up in the maw and be useless. Yeah, and I think you, I, I think ahead. there's I think there's a lot there that you you hit on that I think is accurate. Like, and we've talked about it before. Everything is part of it's supposed to be part of a cycle, and the Kyrians are essentially a they are analogous to what Romans are portrayed in history, right? We don't, we didn't live during the times. All we have are historical accounts or stuff that people made up because they needed to talk about it and put it into books and whatever. Or things that they themselves believe about themselves, whether or not those things were actually true. Correct. Um, there's a lot of things where like, think, think about it, the, the portrayal of Romans as a highly structured, highly orderly society, uh, were highly technologically advanced, uh, and were very committed to duty. These are things that are generally pretty well, established in media portraying that in Greco-Roman sort of uh, anything fantasy with it. Fun fact, though, and I have to do this. I'm sorry, Joe, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have to. Mm-hmm. Every time you see a portrayal of Rome where it's all marble and all pristine, no. Yeah, no, not even close. They're, 
there's crap everywhere. And I mean, literally crap, like actual feces everywhere. Mm -hmm. And all their stuff was very colorful. Yes. They painted their temples. They painted their statues. The Greeks did too, by the way, uh, they got a lot of inspiration from the Greeks and the, and from the Etruscans. Very, it's like a riot of color going to Rome would have been like a, an assault on your senses. It would be very much not unfamiliar to a modern metropolitan human where yes. they live in a big city. Rome was the, is the template. Yeah. So yeah. Go, so keep Out, that in mind as Joe talks outside of that, <laughs> um, because that is not really generally portrayed in popular media, sadly. Uh, you find that the Kyrians and Bastion are sort of filling that same role. They are the arbiters of souls. They go back, they go forth and they bring them back. They're referred to as the phalanx. They have uh, their ideals and these sort of lofty uh, archons that establish themselves as paragons. I think that's their actual title uh, paragons of specific virtues, uh, which are, are analogous to what Romans used to have, for lack of a better term, uh, lesser deities for, uh, and some of the greater deities as well. Uh, but their pantheons were always filled with like, we, we know about the big ones. We know about like Saturn and, and, and everything else like that, but we never really get a lot of talk about the house gods or the lesser gods, the demigods that portrayed things. Yeah, the Go. genus loci of a family was yeah. basically a god, for example, and it's basically literally genus loci that essentially means a local spirit. It was like their, or, it was like the, the thing that helped found their clan or supported their clan or otherwise is important to their clan's identity. Or also referred to as the keepers of the memory of the clan, which is a thing that people seem to forget when that's also a big, a big theme in Bastion as well as that these the essences of their memories are pulled out and stored away because they're there, they're all there. Um, you just have to basically go find them. We did that with the whole mirrors. As far as that with similarities of the Titans, we talked about this a little bit in one of our previous episodes when we talked about Titans being not necessarily all creatures of order. However, uh, domination magic, order magic sort of has like a aura about it that permeates out. I like the idea that you have here where you're saying that there might be like analogs between the two of the, the two, like the Titans and like the, pantheon of death but there's not enough of them um and when the first ones made the made the universes and they made the shadowlands and they made azeroth and they made or, or shaped or placed these pocket dimensions or other realms of existence out there whether it was you know the realm of life order arcane however you want to put it in the structure of the cosmology there's always going to be overlap because the system has to be in tune with each other so the idea of Elune, which we still don't have a full understanding of what Elune actually is. We have theories. We've posed a few of them here. Mm -hmm. But we know that she's not a Titan. She had a relationship with a Titan. We know that she was very close to the ANR. As a matter of fact, a quote-unquote corrupted ANR in the pursuit of order because life is chaos. And ANR seems to understand that. And Elune was definitely on that train. Of course she's going to be linked with Ardenweld because of that same thing. Ardenweld is life in abstract right in the very same way that the emerald dream is life in abstract it's life uh amplified i guess would be the best way for me to put it ardenwald is very much the same way go ahead i was gonna say one of the ways i've been looking at it since we've been talking about this uh, about a minute or a few minutes ago i've been thinking about it in terms of each of the eternal ones they serve a, f a function inside the Shadowlands of, of a force or an idea or an ideal that exists outside of the Shadowlands. Mm -hmm. They're conceptual. Um, 
And a, a good way to look at it might be the Winter Queen is designed to interface with the realm of life. That's what she does. She feeds, you know, souls that are ready, that have gained proper amount of anima back into existence. She puts them back into living worlds. And that therefore means that she literally has to be able to interface with life because that's what life's whole purpose is. Um, It's like if you had a program that's like moving materials up to a conveyor belt and there's a program in the conveyor belt that has to be synced with it so that when you put the essence there, the conveyor belt carries it off. Now, ordinarily, this is not an issue. It just happens. But every design has to have safeguards so that if, say, you know, a kitten gets on the, tr- on the, on the uh, conveyor belt, you don't just feed that thing into a wood chipper somewhere. You, you need to be able to stop the conveyor belt and take the kitten off. Uh, again, this is, I know this is a really weird thing, but I'm not thinking about cats. Um, regardless, if you think of it that way in terms of, you know, the Winter Queen is to Elune, they're the, they perform similar roles within their respective pantheons, similar to the point where they think of themselves as sisters. Perhaps they're even our sisters. Maybe they were each created to interface with the other. Or, and something I've been thinking about is maybe, maybe the first ones, because we, we don't, again, we talked about this, but we don't know really their whole, their whole deal. We know they were trying to do something. We know that they were doing an experiment or were trying to reach a higher ascendancy of, of life or universal, universal existence, possibly to combat what's coming. uh, Or maybe because they didn't even realize what was coming was coming, but it is also possible that they took fragments of essence or sympathetic energies and constructed various things with them. They could be the ones that like put the essence of the Titans out there into our cosmos. They Uh could be the ones that put the essence of those various cosmology realms into, into existence. And there is always going to be, if you like you break a cookie in in half, still two halves of the same cookie. You can just share it with somebody else. And, I mean, and, and another thing to think about while we're doing this, because because it's causing this idea for me, is if you look at the we look we mentioned the Titans might all have like not been purely orderly beings. They, you know, in fact that you know Amonthul might have been the order one, and then others were like you know like um, Norganans. Yeah, he seems to be from more like from the the or the arcane realm or whatever. It's interesting to think about the fact that that might be a a, a complete a fractal part of mm-hmm. all of these realms like if you go to the realm of life there's the being that's going to fight to defend it right there's going to be the equivalent of maldraxis um there's a being of you know self-defense which is in its way a kind of life drive self-defense the defense of your of your own life or the lives of others that's the maldraxi are doing that in the shadowlands so there's this the self-organizing self-defending principle doesn't necessarily have to be locked into one realm, but it's one that repeats in all realms because you need it. Each realm is going to need a method of, of self-defense and self-propagation. And so each of these, like we see that with the Titans, we see, you know, Sargeras and Agrimar both filled that role at one point. Uh, you see that in the Shadowlands with Maldraxa, Maldraxis and the, uh, the guy I'm really sus. I think it's pretty sus, um, but you know, what is his name? My God, I can't remember the names. It's only been one expansion. Uh, the the Primarch, not the Primarch. Primus. Primus. Thank you. The Primus, who is you know he he is essentially that role. He is he is self defense 
That is what he does for who the underst- Shadowlands. Who understands the domination magic, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But- and that, that makes him, therefore, he could very well be the brother to Sargeras, in a manner of speaking. And then that does make you wonder, like, what... It, it doesn't... The, the, the one that is the hardest to pin down is the Arbiter. In, in this idea, but to get let 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 Joe get back to what he was saying because I'm getting distracted. Yeah, and and I don't want to dwell too much on it because I feel we've we've covered a lot of this stuff in some of our previous episodes, and I highly encourage you going back and and listening to some of them. Uh, but I did want to to address some of the other stuff, which is the um the 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 them being tied to their respective realms with the I am Revendra thing, which we know for a fact is true. Yeah, the, Winter Queen says as much, doesn't she? She, she said does. basically there was nothing here, and then I showed up, and everything started happening. Yeah, and that is likely by design because of the mantle of power being tied so directly to it. Because when the Anima Drought is happening, all of the realm's leaders become weaker because they're essentially either giving up their Anima, which we see with the Winter Queen, in order to uh, make certain things happen, uh, or they're just immensely diminished in power, like we see that with Kyrestria. By the oh, time. Man. That just caused an idea. No, I just I I realized we were kind of ignoring one sim- one very simple possibility. Hmm. They have all those names in Bastion and in other realms too. Names of these beings, we have no idea who these beings are. We never run into them. They could be first ones. They could. <laughs> you know, it's quite possible that the first ones have created. We already said before that it's a fractal existence. We that it repeats that we see themes and, and motifs and, and aspects that repeat. It's simply, it's quite possible that there, you know, the things we see named might be named after it's like Kirby, like with the, the, the new gods where he has dark side and, and, you know, apocalypse and you know the new gods on new Genesis. And they're literally cosmic repeat of the previous pantheons that mm-hmm. destroyed themselves. And he's even called like the fifth world which means they've done this five times. It's quite possible that the first ones created the entirety of existence as the, the God of the, the universe creating equivalent of putting a baby in a rocket and launching it away from a blowing up world. They might've put a universe in a box, in a, in a little pod and shot it off into existence to become a new universe because theirs was dying. And that's why they have a sepulcher because they literally did it to, you know, but, but this is all, this is just an idea that I had while Joe was talking because Joe was, was making me think these things with what he was saying. It, it just, it is interesting to think about it. It might be simpler than we think. It, which is entirely possible. And I don't know that we're going to know for a while, probably not until the conclusion of the world soul saga. Um, but I think that's going to give we us, may never know. We may no, never know. That may be an open-ended thing that they leave wide open. But I think that answers the question, at least in somewhat for Bala. So hopefully it does. And uh, thank you for sending that in. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Our next question comes from Rutabaga. Yes, like the vegetable, who happens to be a high mountain warlock. 
Quite an interesting combination. Long-time listener here and first-time writing in, listening to the show about the origins of all the cosmic forces in the Warcraft universe had me thinking a bit. We know from Shadowlands the Devourers consume everything. Is it possible the First Ones created all the realms as a way to spread out those forces and make it more difficult for everything to be consumed? If we assume that to be true, then would that make Azeroth special as it is a way for everything to come together in a way that is distinctly not Devourer? Could this all be some master plan to create an opposing force to stop the Devourer's threat once and for all, bringing disparate elements together into a form that is strong enough to oppose them? So I've talked about this a lot where I uh, posited before we knew much more about the, the cosmology that Azeroth was special in a way that nowhere else is because it happens to be almost exactly located at the center of everything. Not in a, you know, we believe that the universe revolves around the planet type way that we we thought way back when before uh, knowing about the sun and how things actually work, but more Azeroth is maybe the metaphysically important, metaphysically important or the exact thing that the first ones were trying to do, because there are more planets, more worlds in our universe than Azeroth. And each of them, and Matt and I talked about this a while ago, there's a possibility that they're more influenced by certain elements or certain planes because either the land between or the uh, veil between that and whatever the next closest realm is, is particularly thin or the pull is very, very strong. I talked a lot about sympathetic energies, and there's definitely a truth to that in Azeroth. We can see that like beckons to like, and sometimes the closest thing to something else will resonate the strongest with a similar frequency. We also made a a comment a while ago that it is possible that the Titans are aspects of those realms that just happen to land closest to those particular realms and our closest to the realm of life happens to be tuned to it. And so is able to understand and, and sort of get on that train a lot better than the other ones are and vice versa in This Azeroth seems to be perfectly situated where it can touch everything. It has a very strong connection to the Shadowlands. We see that it has a facility on it It, uh, that that links directly to a facility in the Shadowlands. It has very strong connections to Fel, to life, to death, to, uh, to nature, to all of the elemental planes that existed, well, may have existed before we got there. We don't know if they were just sealed off or actually created. Stories by the victors are always a little bit weird, but we are unique in that regard. We're not overly saturated with one or the other things. We are almost an ecosystem in balance. Had there not been intervention from any outside forces, we don't know what would happen. Because keep in mind, the Titans came and ordered the planet, and there was a lot of change that happened, but why did they come here? Why did they why did they do what they do? A lot of the decisions that they made were based off the fact that they were trying to combat the avoid infestation, essentially. How many facilities are there that don't exist on other planets? What decisions were they made because of that? Would Azeroth have died because of how much spirit was on there being consumed by the elementals? We don't know. But in every capacity other than that, Azeroth in a vacuum is balanced. We have the ability to touch everything i don't know that it was necessarily the idea to put those realms in where they are by the first ones it's entirely possible the first ones were representatives of each of those domains 
that maybe they wanted to come together and protect the universe and maybe protect uh, existence. And by doing what they did and making a universe where everything is able to come into it and talk contact with each other, they could do just that. So I'm going to let Matt talk for a little bit, but I mean, it's, it's something we think about a lot and it's something we bring up, I think quite con- quite consistently. I don't think there's anything much more to say. I mean, we don't know the, the easy answer to his question is as always, we don't know. Sure. Um, it, it's, I don't know if it's as simple as Kyrestria is a Titan, but I do think you're onto something with the concept that each realm has a way to communicate with is interconnected with the other realms. Like the, not, not just the realms in the Shadowland, which are each of them is connected by one of the Pantheon of death. I think each of the pantheons of, of outside realms that are similar to the Shadowlands also has their own Pantheon that rules it. And I think the Titans that we see in our Azerothian, you know, for lack of a word, prime material plane, the, the, the existence that we're used to from our lives, I think each of the Titans is like an interface back to one of those realms. I think it's, it's sort of like each of them sent somebody, for lack of a better word. Like each of the, each of the Titans, it's not that Kyrestria is a Titan, it's that there are Titans that Kyrestria would have familiarity with they, they would possibly be made of the same thing possibly just perform a similar function uh because this again if you look at the first one's creation it's all fractal it's all got prototypes it's all got more specialized designs based on those prototypes it's it's a it's a repeating reoccurring system that you see on multiple levels and so i think that it is possible that there's something to what you're saying in terms of, you know, how come these things remind me of the Titans? Well, because for one, they're designed well, by the is, same people. This is more about the devourers, right? So do Yeah. Oh, I jumped into okay, I see. I was I still been thinking about that one. In terms <laughs> of the devourers, um, I think it's oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay, cool. I'm sorry. Brain, brain is brain, what is brain? <laughs> um I, I've been thinking about the devourers. It's I don't think if it's necessarily the way you put it, I think is is sort of putting the cart before the horse. I mean, you mentioned the cart and you mentioned the horse and that's great, but the cart doesn't pull the horse. Um, I think the devourers are a reaction to not a symptom of the devourers are coming around, trying to devour stuff because it's not all together in one place. If it were all together in one place, they would have a harder time of it. And that's exactly what, all of this creation of the first ones is the, all the fractal re- repetition, all the beings that seem similar, that perform similar functions. All of it is built around the concept of making everything be together, of forging something out of everything that would therefore be strong enough to oppose nothing, if that makes sense. We've been thinking for years of the void as nothingness, but the void isn't nothingness. The void is potential. Yeah. The void is the void is the nothingness of, well, this doesn't exist yet, but it could. Whereas whatever the devourers represent is the nothingness of stop existing, stop being, stop doing, you know, we want nothing, real, nothing, nothing. That's nothing. And the, the void is very much, but look at in, in all the nothing, look at all the possibilities for something. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, you right there, you hit the nail on the head, the devourers, once they, if they were to win and consume all existence, then they would have no food. They would just cease to exist as well. Yeah. And there would be literal nothing. It would be the, yeah, it would be the ultimate expression of just you're done. 
Another way to think of it is that the, the, the devourers are very much like entropy, whereas the void is very much the opposite of entropy. It is the place inspiration ultimately comes from. It's like, you know, we don't have a thing that does this, but now I've thought of it. So we could have it. I could make it. It's th- that's why the void and the late have kind of an antagonistic relationship, but you can't really have one without the other. Because without the light, without illumination, you can't find the thing you want to do. But without the void, there's no way to do the thing you want to do because you don't have any possible things you can do. Mm-hmm. And that interplay between the two is very much an important part of existence. Just like the interplay between the like order and chaos, fell and the arcane, is also important. You have to there. There has to be a, a way to order things to create a, a you know, a, a system, a, a plan, a, a, a platform, whatever word you want to look, but there also has to be stuff that isn't just ordered, you know, because if you can't, if there's nothing new to order, there's no ordering going on. You can't dominate things if there's nothing to dominate. And likewise, if you don't have things to rebel against, if you don't have things to change and mutate, you don't have things for fell to do what it does. I think once we get the, the the fact that each of the things left to its own devices can be destructive. I mean, left to its own devices, fire can be destructive, mm-hmm. but we don't think of fire as evil. No, because fire, you know? fire also has the ability to create and also has the ability to sustain. And that's exactly what you have to think about with each of the fundamental forces here. The reason that when light and fell interact, you get this weird kind of fire. You know, it's literally like a cosmic flame that burns and light purifies. And vo- light and void, you mean? No, I mean light and fell. When light, because each one of them interacts. Not just it's not just mm-hmm. light yeah. and void interacting. It's not just fell and arc. Fell and light can oppose each other and interact with each other. You have to think of the orrery that we see when we look at the cosmology. the the re- The real lesson of Grimoire of the Shadowlands when it came out was it inverted the orrery and said, "This is this is how the forces are." Look at this, not the way that they said it was. It's like this. And the the thing to think about is to say to yourself, wait a minute, they're just as biased as the Titans are. Mm-hmm. And the way they look at it is no more true than the way the Titans look at it. It's a way of looking at it. You can invert it along any of those planes. And suddenly you have cosmic forces in opposition that normally you, if you're using a different one, you wouldn't even see them near each other, but they're all exactly as close to each other. This isn't a, it's a two dimensional representation of an idea that isn't even three dimensional. It's a two dimensional representation of an idea that is omnidimensional. And so it is inherently flawed because it can't show you all the interactions, but we know they're there. Each of these planes, each of these forces is in opposition with and alignment to the others. They push and pull. They each seek to do the thing that they do. And the thing that they do can be similar to or different from the thing that the other ones do, but all together they can create a lattice, a, a way of being truly real. And I think it's that true reality, that thing where you are not just an avatar of a concept. Like the, the eternal ones are astonishingly powerful, ancient. They've existed for eons and they are nothing to us. 
because they are only what they do. That's why they turn into automaton if they are cut away from it. They they only have their role. And that's why, you know, the same is true with the Titans. The same is true with maybe even a loon. All these beings just have their purpose. They just Mm -hmm. have their role. And they're not real the way we are. We struggle. We scrape along. We die. And when we die, everything we've done can go to another realm of existence and generate power endlessly. Darash Hellstream could have been there forever feeding his anima that he refused to give up and therefore kept making more. Think about what that implies about a soul. A living being's soul is the most powerful generator of existence juice in existence. If you want anima, get it from a being that is alive and or was alive. If it's if it was alive and it refuses to it refuses to stop being alive, it can just keep making anima forever. Mm-hmm. And that's to me. I think that is the thing that the devourers there they exist to try and prevent this from happening. They exist to try and in devour everything to keep this thing from getting this engine of existence from getting all the way to its final form, and where it creates a reality that can just tell it to eat to, to, to go away. You know, we don't care about you. You're not even void. You're just rot you are cosmic decay and you have no place here we have a reality here it is everything is incorporated and it stands to defy you so i think it's i think you are right in that the devourers want to devour everything i just think that your your idea is inverting the priorities here i don't think it's a case of trying to make it harder for the devourers to, to eat everything. So they disperse things. I think things were dispersed and they decided we're going to make everything be together. Mm-hmm. So th- that's, that's my take on it. But I do, I do like where you're going with this. I do think you're, you're onto something in terms of the idea in question. And I'm really sorry that I, it took me a long time to formulate this because I kept getting stuck and I still am getting stuck on the idea of interrelation between everything. And I think that's very important, but I don't quite have it yet. It's like, it's like a needle in my eye. And trust me, I know what that feels like. Well, hopefully that answers your question. So let's go ahead and move on to our next question, which comes from artisan, a night elf druid greetings. I finished the new beginnings objective of defenders of the dream several minutes ago. And well, I wasn't expecting the tears, from choosing my gift for the quest personal offering to re-encountering Grimclaw and Sorellian Whiteclaw and Dullaran Summermoon to the interaction between Torond and Alexstrasza, even my interaction with Cadgar, I was a complete mess at the end of the objective. Would you be able to provide some lore on some of the key elves we interact with and or see while we complete offering uh, for the well? Thanks so much. Well, elves is sort of Matt's territory, so... You've you, have you done that quest and redone the or, or the blooming and and the elven homeland type stuff? I've got four characters in the middle of it. <laughs> I just keep having other things happening in my life, so I like I'm getting my elf through it, and then it's like, oh, my human should go here. My human used to go to Teldrassil all the time, and it's like, oh, my my night elf, my other night elf, the druid definitely should do this, and oh, oh, I got to get my uh my draenei through it. So yeah, I've I've seen a lot of it, but I, I haven't gotten to the end yet. 
I have watched videos, however. I mean, you know, it's me. Yeah, um, I feel like I feel like it's one we could probably spend an entire episode on going through the importance mm-hmm. of it. And maybe we will. Uh, if that's something you are interested in hearing, friends, let us know. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of, of elves there. Like, do you want to explain who Sorelian White Claw is? Oh man, no, because it's sad. It's super sad. Uh Sorelian White Claw, I mean, we got really this is this is a dude who had the just the worst luck. Um quite frankly, I feel like if you guys remember the White Claw quests, and if you don't, I, I I'm gonna say this. Go back to WoW Classic, the mm-hmm. original WoW Classic, and play the original Night Elf stuff. Go through uh the original starting zone and then go to um I wanna say Darkshore and and run through there because Sorelli White Claw is this guy who you know he's he's a quest giver. He's got a bear named White Claw and he's worried because White Claw is missing. And you're like, okay, I will go find White Claw for you, Cerulean. And so you go traipsing along and you know you 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 finally find White Claw and he's he's in trouble. Wasn't it like he was being attacked by like really mad? Yes. Yeah, okay. So you get him out. And you bring him back, and he's reunited with Sorelian, and it's you're like, yeah, I did a good thing. And then that's just it. That's the quest begins and ends. And then you you flash forward to Cataclysm, and White Claw's on the beach going, hey, and you're like, hey, White Claw, how's it going, man? You look a little upset. And I'm 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 trying to break this down quickly, so I'm leaving stuff out. I apologize, but. White Claw's like, you know, you know, help me. And you go looking down the beach and you find Sorelian's body. Well, it's Grimclaw's the companion. Sorelian White yeah, Claw is the, the, yeah. the elf. Grimclaw is the bear. Yes. You're like, hey, Grimclaw. Um, and so, you know, Grimclaw is, of course, very sad because Sorelian has been his buddy his whole life. I mean, to, to uh, Sorelian, you know, Sorelian li- lived night elf li- lives. He's been around for thousands of years. But, you know, Grimclaw was special to him and he, he treated him like, you know, his, his, his boon companion, his, his hunter pet for lack of a better word. Um, and now Sorelian is dead and Grimclaw's like, Oh, I ain't got nobody now. And you, he, one of the, I can't remember the guy who actually takes, takes care of Grimclaw after that. I know that there's another night elf there. Who's like, you know, I'll, I'll take care of, of Grimclaw. I'll make sure that he's all right. Um, do you remember his name? No, I do not off the top of my head. Yeah. But regardless, so that's the end of Sorelian's story. And yeah, it's it's a heartbreaker, man. Uh if you play Cataclysm, if you play the original stuff, if it's one of the things about Cataclysm that's kind of underreported to a degree, if you played the original stuff, if you did the quests in Darkshore, cat like Cataclysm is a is a heartbreaker. Like you go through and everything's ruined and all these people that you knew are dead. Um, and it's, and you're trying to do the best you can to save what's left. And sometimes the best you can do is find somebody that to hug a bear for you and tell them it's going to be okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it is, whew, it is heartbreaking. It is, it is still, and a lot of people have over the years made it into something else too. I mean, it's, it's a lot of player interest is why this is so important. Yeah. Um, and in Bellamath in general is becoming a, I don't want to say a hotspot for a lot of the forgotten elves, but I mean, it's the new elven town. So like, you're going to get to see like Jared shadow song is chilling there. He's like, he's grizzled and old. He was there when everything happened. And I mean, everything we dealt with him in Legion and we did a bunch of stuff with him, but like 
now we get to see him and see him in his old elf glory because he is definitely white haired and and even he is golden eyed at this point. Yeah, um, Jared's been around for a very long time, and Jared, I mean, you cannot really say that he didn't save the world because he did. He absolutely did. You know, he so he's he's got. It's really not. It's interesting that we have not seen Jared that yeah. much in WoW. Yeah, considering that we saw him in Legion and then we didn't see him until now. Because like there there was an in-between time where I would have expected him to pop up, especially during BFA. Um Yeah. I would have thought he'd be there. I mean, maybe he was down here, in Feather Moon, but whatever. But I, here's you would have expected it. Here's another one that we did we saw very little of outside of of uh a, a little bit of, of him in Battle for Azeroth, but you know, Mordant Evenshade is in Balamath. And wow, that's a deep cut. Yeah, an archmage, uh, Mordant Evenshade, is the leader of the Shendralar Highborn. That yeah, have the ones in Dire Maul, basically, guys. That have reintegrated into Night Elven society. They were the reason that Night Elves were able to be mages again. Um, before Cataclysm, he was found in the lower levels of the Temple of the Moon. Uh, during Cataclysm, uh, he was in Howling Oak in Darnassus. He was part of the events of the Wolfheart novel, and in Battle for Azeroth, um, in the burn during the burning of Tildrassil, uh, if you were Horde, you sort of knew the story of him being in Black Fathom Deeps uh, and him participating in the battle for Darkshore because he was stationed at Ashwood Depot. Um, if you're Alliance, he's actually giving you orders to coordinate with Maeve Shadowsong. Uh, and also with a bunch of the hippogriff riders and to make sure that things are coordinated and going well. And then we don't see him outside of that. Uh, after everything happens, he sort of just kind of disappears. Um, but now that he's back, I mean, there is, I mean, it's, it's, he's now there with not just the night elves that he's reintegrated with and brought his people in with, but also people that like were participating in the burning of, uh, Teldrassil. Like, it's an interesting place for the elves to be at, and I think that's sort of the importance of the ones you see there, right? It represents the possibility, maybe not of full reintegration, but of the elves having an understanding. Like, maybe less animosity between them, and maybe coming back to mutual aid at some point. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the whole deal where you see Delarin... Uh, in Bellameth, the whole part of it is to illustrate that Taronda has is now willing to allow them to return. Like she even, the, I think Delarin says, didn't she say something like Taranda has forgiven her? I, I'm not sure, or, or has offered all of the Dark Rangers forgiveness for yeah. having you know the, the, she, against them. Yeah, she was she was surprised that the it was extreme surprise that Taran has offered essentially hospitality to the dark rangers uh because again the dark rangers were formal night elves that fought to defend in a lot of cases fought to defend night elven society or in delarin's case uh fought to defend teldrassil were killed and then resurrected and you know were forced to do things against their will uh or because they felt they had no other choice or because they were they they were clouded by the lies because we know that and Delarin is is really important in this, and I can't remember the um, the warden that got raised as well that that has like the pain threshold thing. Um, they were given a choice to be resurrected because if you're horde, and this is sort of one of those 
weird quest things that I hated doing, but makes sense story-wise as far as filling in some gaps. You don't just raise undead. The Dark Rangers are not just raised against their will. They're actually presented a choice. And Delarin chose to come back because either what was whispered to her was a lie and she believed it, or the pull of having her stuff being unfinished was so strong that she needed to come back and, f- and needed to finish what she her the work that was left undone, but then was subverted by the will of, you know, at this point, the Dark Lady and the Valkyrie, the Valkyrie that she had under her control, that she did things that she wasn't proud of, that she wasn't, that she didn't want to be a part of, but yet was still doing. It is a very complicated relationship. And also, not just that, but it's a complicated relationship with people like even like Lillian Voss, who is in a very similar boat or was in a very similar boat and understands what was happening with the Dark Rangers. Um, but it's, I think maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll do a full Bellamath breakdown, uh, give people time to sort of catch up on it and, and go from there. But I think that would be a good use of that. Um, Farron is a character who actually, he's shown up quite a bit um, since the, the introduction of him. He was actually introduced during the, the Fellwood stuff um, as part of the, the destruction of Teldrassil. He was friends with Deller and Summermoon. Um, they, they were essentially, I, I guess you could say they were dating. Like, I, I don't know how you call it when night elves, when you're like a near, a near immortal being that's been around for thousands of years. I don't know if you call it dating anymore. It feels more complicated, but regardless, uh, Farron was a Druid. He, he had a relationship with Deleron. Uh, he used to surprise her by pretending to be a bear. He, this is not a Starian. Get your minds out of the gutter. Um, but during the war of the thorns, he basically got killed. Uh, he got killed by the horde. Um, that's, that is just what happened. Uh, and he was trying to attack Sorfang. Um, but there was a mage spell that was used to illuminate him and Sorfang decapitated him in mid jump. Um, during Shadowlands, you actually find him in the maw. Thanks to, you know, the whole deal with, uh, the Arbiter being incapacitated and, uh, Zoval's whole plan to do bad stuff. Uh, we, we have to go down and save him. Uh, we, we save Farron and he ends up in the heart of the forest mm-hmm. and he's essentially just constantly p- jumping around between Druid forms. And he's like, Hey, uh, if you see Delarin in the maw, you know, get her. I, I, she's someone I, I really cared about. I'd like it. If you'd like try to get her out too. And you, you have to be like, um, Farron, uh, I got, I got, news for you it might be good news for you it might be bad news for you but Delarin hasn't been sent to them all and he's like oh oh okay yeah, yeah she's an undead now serving uh the horde and he, he's like mm, well, they weren't they the ones killing us I, I was pretty sure they were the ones killing us but in dragonflight he comes to Amirodrasil uh I said I get I'm assuming the winter queen sends him uh I don't think it actually says I don't recall it saying but he's one of the so, wisps yeah. Yeah, he's one of the wisps around Amirdrasil, and he gets to see Delarin again. They have a, a, a small reunion. We don't know what they say to each other. Like, there's no, there's no, like, you know, you don't get to see what's going on, but you do know that they had a brief moment where they got to say, you know, hey, you know. And I think that's one of the things I like the most about this whole deal. The, the, you know, the, the new city, the new attempt to reach some kind of rapprochement 
is that it doesn't forget. It doesn't forget all the stuff. Deloran herself is a very interesting character for this because she doesn't forget her life and how she died. And she doesn't forget what she did when she was raised. And I think that that's interesting because from, from the beginning, we've had really weird, like you know, we always said, if they're asked, if they want to come back, how come they come back and they start just doing whatever Sylvanas tells them to do? Why, you know, if they're, if it was a free choice, why are they murdering the people that they were fighting alongside? Mm-hmm. Like we've seen this multiple times and Delarin kind of puts that into perspective. She's like, I literally, you know, couldn't feel like nothing mattered. I, I was like this, I, I still feel this way like this dead thing that didn't matter. And she even says when she's asked if she's going to go back to, to, you know, the places she's from, she's like, I don't think they would accept me. And I don't think they should like, I, I would not blame them. You know, why should they accept me or the others who were raised? You know, we fought, you know, I, 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 you know, I fought, I fought the Calderai. I lost my faith. There's, I don't know if there's a good reason for them to accept me. And that's, it's it's really an interesting thing. I mean, there's this idea of, you know, there's even a statement with something to the effect of, you know, I'm still a dead person, you know, being in in in, Bel- in Bellameth, I'm still dead, but I I can at least remember what it was like to to be alive. I can remember being warm here. And that's that's something I find really fascinating. So, yeah, I I just wanted to throw that out there because he's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite little like blip and you miss it moments. It's this kind of like this affair, this love affair or whatever you want to call it that is now basically over because they're both dead, but the memory of it still exists to them. And that's something Bellameth is all about. It's all about remembering. But I think that's going to do it for today. Unless there's anything else you want to add, Matt. All right. Well, friends, no, I mean, there's lots more I want to add, but we don't really have time. <laughs> Uh, well, friends, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means that this podcast setting community is able to thrive and grow. Mm-hmm. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance of having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad-free site experience. Again, if you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those in. You can send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com or on Discord in our queue and podcast questions channel. Specify the show that it is for and any special pronunciations of your name. Thank you for everybody who did that today. Uh, if you are a Patreon supporter, as a way of saying thank you for helping us keep the lights on, uh, we have the Patreon queue and podcast questions channel set aside specifically for you, where we always give first billing. But with that, folks, we'll see you next week. <laughs>